0: New Zealand Security Matters podcast is hosted by Dr. Rhys Ball, a former intelligence officer who has gone on to become one of New Zealand's leading commentators on intelligence and security, and Martin Schwartz, a former assistant director in the New Zealand intelligence community. It will challenge and inform, as well as promote mature discussion on New Zealand security and intelligence matters for policymakers, academics, think tanks, politicians, intelligence professionals aspiring intelligence professionals and amateur intelligences alike and here's today's episode. Welcome, listeners, to our first episode of In From The Cold, the New Zealand Security Matters podcast, where we want to lead a discussion to help people really understand and care about New Zealand security and intelligence matters. Reese, why don't you start by telling our listeners a bit about your background and why doing this podcast is important to you? Oh, okay,
1: Martin, I'll do that. But first, I just want to say hello, um, and it's great... Great to hear you, uh, and uh, it's great that we're able to start this podcast, which we've been talking about and thinking about for a little while now, um, and now we have uh, mastered some of the technical requirements and in, in the logistics. You know, we could probably add sound engineers to CVs now uh, as well, although that might be a, just a little bit ambitious. Um, I just think it's great that uh, we're able to do this and kick off this, this first podcast. So uh, for those listeners, uh, for those of you out there that haven't heard uh, from me or about me in the past, uh, my name is Reese Ball. I'm a military historian by academic trade, I think that's safe to say, and that stems from being a product of uh, a military environment, being brought up in a, in a military environment. My dad was in the army and my mother was in the navy, um, and uh, that l- sees me move into the academic world. Uh, as as a lecturer at, at Massey University, but before then, I think, and this is relevant, I guess, to to what we're talking about and what this podcast is all about, is I had a, about a ten year career in the in the intelligence community, and that included uh, both uh, the the broader New Zealand intelligence community as well as some uh, agencies within New Zealand law enforcement, uh, both. Uh, here and uh, over, overseas. Uh, but, a, but as I said, uh, that was uh, a little bit in the past and I've spent the last 10 years now uh, at university teaching intelligence studies uh, at Massey University um, and that I guess 10 years ago you could say is the place where I came out from the cold, uh, disclosed that I had had an intelligence background um, and have been operating in that space as a as an academic, commenting on intelligence and security matters uh, uh, when when invited to, when the opportunity arose, but also uh, teaching uh, at undergraduate and and postgraduate sort of study. Uh, some of the only intelligence courses that uh, are available in New Zealand universities and I'm sorry I had to get that plug in. That's um, great. It's good but to it's, hear. That's important. But I'm really excited to be able to do this and, and especially uh, with with you martin i think that's that's just a, a wonderful thing that uh i've been looking forward to for for a long time so there's a little bit about me um uh, it's probably worth uh, your turn martin i think seeing um as as this is a, a tag team sort of uh, mm. approach um and you know it's probably it's really important i think for for you to explain or Talk to the listeners and, and explain to them who you are and, and also why you see this podcast
0: as being important. Yeah, nice. Thank you, Reese. Um, so, we agreed going into this that there were going to be some essential points that we would want to cover in, in every episode, but actually, we would also let it run free and, and have a chat between us. So, you know, I just wanted to call out that there's a few things there that, that I didn't know about you uh, before i've uh, heard about your fearsome mum, um but i didn't i would never known that she was in the navy, so um that really uh reinforces to me that that um that military upbringing that you that you had um obviously, I knew about your dad but um but not about your not about your mum so that was that was good and also you know it's a privilege for me to um, be doing this with you as um as my first step to uh come out. Um, or come in from the cold, however we call it, uh, having been in the uh, New Zealand intelligence community for, for 27 years. So, about me, uh, always interested in the, in the business. Uh, it is the only career that I ever wanted to do uh, when I was growing up, um, and I was lucky enough to be able to do it. Um, so, yeah, that was a, a very measured plan. Uh, to to be able to see things, be aware of things, and explore them and unpack them, and have them make sense, and then be able to go into the career uh, where I could hopefully try and influence and reduce those the effect of those things. So I'll give some examples. So um, I grew up. Uh, and my brothers will remember this. Um, in our lounge, there was a bookcase. And on that bookcase, there was a book of the 1972 Olympics. Uh, our grandmother was was living in Germany at the time. Uh, and she sent us uh, that book. And I can remember just so well, even though I was so, so young, because um, I don't remember the Olympics themselves, but I remember reading the book. And it was the attack uh, by the Black September organisation on the Israeli athletes uh, at the 1972 Olympics, and I saw the photos uh, of the um, of the aftermath of the attack, uh, the burnt out um, uh, helicopters, the uh, the GSG9, the um, German special forces photos of them, and thinking, what, what? how could this happen? Why? How? Um, because bearing in mind, I was extremely young at the time when I saw that and, and it didn't make sense to me. So, you know, I started to learn about that. Um, what is Israel? What is Palestine? Uh, and then going on to some of the other groups Bader Meinhof, the Red Army Faction, Brigada Rouge. Um, so, all of that culminated um, at the age of eight, writing my first letter <laughs> to the to the New Zealand Security Intelligence Service, uh, exploring how in the future... I, I had enough self-awareness to realise that they wouldn't take on an eight-year-old, uh, but exploring how could one get there in the future. And to their credit, and I do believe that they would still do this today, uh, they actually wrote back to me, You know, obviously uh, thanking me for my interest, but um, it was a little bit soon. Uh, but just keep learning, keep going to school, um, keep pursuing those those uh, travel opportunities, um, and come and look at us in the future. So Did they
1: acknowledge the, that you were, a, you know, this 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 uh,
0: budding terrorism expert? It's uh, that that time. No, that came four years later um, when I was twelve years old. Greece. When I wrote to them again, saying that I was doing a personal uh, a, a personal research project. Into the Russian intelligence services <laughs> um, you probably didn't know about that, did you <laughs> no and and uh, so no, nothing on terrorism, but um, they did uh, photographs and pages uh, out of a book of uh, people like Penkovsky, um, you know former former uh, Russians who had spied for the west, and um, they shared those with me uh, and and then continued to encourage me to. Um, to uh, learn grow uh, travel and um, and talk to them in the future so I finally did that and um, and that's how I entered the service so after 27 years you know I going to the reason why I wanted to do this podcast um, well with you and we should talk about how it came up because you know like all good intelligence operations it um, it came up at a certain location didn't it um, so, mm-hmm. so we'll come on to that. I haven't seen the conversation mature as much as I would like to in terms of what is intelligence and security in New Zealand. It gets caught up in sound bites. it gets sensationalised and then it dies away very quickly. And those lessons that uh, official Jim was trying to convey and trying to upskill people and have them better informed about intelligence and security... Uh, get lost uh, in that in that sensationalisation. So that's what I wanted wanted us to try and do and do with this. See if I can see if I can help with that. Yeah, and I think you're absolutely right there, and I couldn't couldn't agree with you uh,
1: more wholly because it's certainly something that you know. Admittedly, I've been out of the intelligence community for a while. Uh, now, but but by the same token, I've spent a decade, you know, the the last decade, uh, looking at intelligence from the from the outside in, mm. so offering a, a different perspective uh, or, or a different set of observations, but looking at the same thing or being able to comment about the same sorts of things, I think is is really unique, and where I would. Uh, dearly love this podcast to go and i th- and I think it will um, and and you've touched on a couple of really important points there that I think before we sort of talk a little bit more about backgrounds and and connections and uh, you know uh, you know not necessarily sort of successes but but luck and opportunity and how those sort of present itself. Some of the discussions I think we will spend time talking about in these podcasts uh, will will continue, or there will be a consistent set of themes I think that that listeners will will pick up uh, as as the podcast mm-hmm. sort of develops and goes goes along. And I think, as you said, Martin, understanding or observing the debate about intelligence particularly in the new zealand environment or from a new zealand uh, perspective is really important and something that you know you and i are both extremely passionate about Mm. and i think this podcast will spend a lot of time talking about intelligence but also in particular why intelligence is important Um, and this 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 to, this speaks to you know the reasons why why we're doing it. One of the things that we see is, you know, a lot of the time we only see intelligence sort of failure. So there are there's some frustrations there, but but also understandable sort of frustrations. We also will, I think, spend a bit of time talking about accountability and transparency in the intelligence world and in the world of sort of security. Certainly those two things accountability and transparency are, are are rather important in this day and age but we also know that uh intelligence is never going to be completely uh, transparent uh it, it can't be mm-hmm. um, and we'll come back to this particular point uh in in subsequent podcasts i'm I'm sure mm-hmm. but also you know Uh, the important role and the important function that intelligence plays in in terms of its responsibility to a state or society Um, and just what it can do and what it sort of can't do. What's it there for? And I'd like to think that between us, we can offer some sort of perspectives and observations that generates um, a broader debate, which I think is, is useful, but also I think that generates perhaps a little bit more of a balanced debate out there. Mm. And this is one of those things that I've I've talked to you about on a number of occasions. You know, the, Particularly when it comes to teaching intelligence, it has this ability to fascinate and frighten both at the same time, depending on where you're coming from. And there's a lot of material out there, there's a lot of cases, there's lots of events, and we see them all the time. Um, and perhaps we get a limited... One-sided view of some of these things, and I'd like to think that between us, we can we can talk about some of these particular cases or examples without getting into trouble, because you know, um, as as we've talked about. You and I have both signed Official Secrets Acts. There are some mm-hmm. things that, that we can talk about, but there's lots of things that we can't talk about, mm-hmm. and we're not going to, to go down those particular paths, no matter how much I try to encourage you to do that, or, or
0: vice versa, or um, <laughs> our listeners let's, do let's so. About, but us we a talk about, we'll, about that. So, so why? why? Why is that? Because so often... It's it's cast in the context, but we can't share that information with you because it will compromise an operation or compromise a capability, uh, and people could be harmed or killed. Really, tell us. Do you do do, do, do you think our listeners really, really believe that, Reese? Well, again, you know, um, I think there are
1: some people who are absolutely and utterly sort of convinced that that's that's a load of cod's wallop and it only happens in the movies and that sort of thing. But equally, I'd like to think that there are a number of of listeners and people out there that actually do believe that is, is the case. And when it comes to understanding intelligence or understanding sort of intelligence agencies and what they do, one of the things that you'll hear on 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 a consistent basis is the importance of protecting sources um, and and that is absolute sacrosanct mm. because quite simply, if you're able if you end up disclosing the sources of your intelligence or information then it is relatively easy for adversaries to to close those uh, sources or those avenues um, very quickly. And whether it be uh, irrespective of the method of intelligence collection, and we'll talk about collection methods because they're not... They're not super secret. We we know about the different types of of intelligence collection methods, and they're talked about. But in terms of specifics or particular sort of sources, um, you want to ensure that you continue to utilise them for as long as possible, because you've you know quite simply you've worked very hard to ensure that you've got access to a particular. Uh, ...opportunity or target, and I know we'll talk about sort of what a target sort of means... ...or how, how how we consider or how we might consider sort of targets and opportunities in the past. So you want to maintain that. But also from a professional intelligence officer responsibility perspective... ...and this is something that people may not necessarily sort of think about... You have a responsibility to protect um, uh, the sources that that uh, that are providing the intelligence for you, and this is really important for human source or human yeah. intelligence operas- operations. Which, you know, is is you know, I, I'm quite comfortable saying that's where my background in the past yeah. sort of comes from. But but you know, if if you don't look after those people. Then one, you don't get, uh, you lose access um, because they're doing, sometimes those people are doing very sensitive sort of work or they are involved in things that where they are or what they're doing. Could ultimately sort of jeopardize jeopardize their existence or their family's existence in a worst case scenario, and yeah. you want you don't want uh, you know, and you want to maintain that, but also you know you want to ensure that the message goes out there that uh, you're always going to look after your people and your sort of sources, um, and that continues to be the primary principal sort of driver uh, in the business. So. Um, despite wanting to know who was the source or where that came from or who did what. And that's a, that's a human sort of trait, always wanting to know who said that or whatever. Mm. You're not going to get that information in the intelligence
0: community. Um, well, let's, um, there, there, there was a couple of other points in your intro uh, that I wanted to talk about, and that's about how you and I have learned to become uh, podcasters. And the reason I wanted to talk about that is because it speaks to the mindset um, of an intelligence officer, especially those, you know, who are uh, from an operational background. We we knew nothing about it and very quickly uh, have got up to this point, yeah, learning how to use this platform, Riverside, yeah, using how to use ACAST, where we'll host this on. And I just thought, well, that is very typical intelligence officer or IO says, so yep, Boss, I don't know how to do that, um, but I'll find out, and um, and I'll make it happen. It's a very can-do uh, and approachable, very learning mindset. A lot of curiosity there, uh, and I just I, I think that that really it's just a very practical example of what you and I have spent a lot of our careers doing. Um, mm. Just, oh. yep, we're in there yep. to, yep, we don't know that, but we'll find it, and we'll find a way. And I think that's um, it's really. It's yeah, it's such an admirable, well, I find it such an admirable uh, trait uh, of intelligence officers, and, and I thought we were sort of quite good living embodiment uh, of it in, in deciding that we wanted to do this. Now, the other thing is, where did this um, podcast uh, come about? How did the idea come about? Now, of course, and, and this is our first plug, um, well, actually, I you know you plug Massey University, already. This is my first plug uh, coming up. So it was the Noble Rock Wine Bar in Wellington. Um, where you and I are sat, and um, do you want to do a podcast? Yeah, let's do it. Um, and that's it's that time, taking time out to not necessarily do it in the office, do it anywhere where it works, think, use a really creative mindset, um, a solutions-focused mindset, and think, okay, well, we want to shift the discussion. How are we going to do that? Uh, we will do that well, our version of how we'll do it is we'll, we'll give it a nudge through this podcast. And there we sat and and came up with this, and, and here we are today. Yeah. Um, so targets you mentioned. Did you want to talk a little bit about targets now? Because that, that can sound quite sinister. Um
1: Oh, I think, as I said earlier, you know, I think intelligence can sound quite sinister across the board. And I think that comes from a historic sort of legacy of what we know and what we don't know. I think, you know, as as I said, you know, there's lots of fictional intelligence characters or spy characters and that sort of thing. And, and, you know, just about, you know, uh, there's one there's one reference I was reading a few years ago that over half the world's population have watched a James Bond film. So there's lots of people who understand that particular space. And and the intrigue that goes with with intelligence, but also there is the dark side of intelligence, or you know, um, and how it's been used in the in the past. Um, whether that be secret police or macabre or or other sort of references and terms, whether it be sort of mass surveillance or secret spine or unauthorized sort of spine, we hear a whole lot of negative sort of things about about intelligence, um, and so I think that's that's important to sort of think about, uh, but. But there's this balance of discussions that needs to take place, and again, like like any organisation, there will be areas of focus or areas of responsibility. And and you talked about it in terms of the the origins of the podcast and the uh, the noble rot summits uh, <laughs> that that we've had in, in the past to to get this off uh, get this off the ground and. Again, intelligence is very much about sort of understanding or thinking about sort of problems or issues. Um, you know, how are we going to do something? What What is the sort of the space that we need to to learn about a little bit more? What's the Where does the problem come from? Her, wh- what do we need to be aware of in order to achieve what we want? What do we know about an adversary or uh, a target or a problem um, and uh, how do we sort of go about answering questions that we need to in order to be able to counter the problem uh, deal with it or negate it or, Preempt a particular problem, and I think this is one of the sort of the really interesting things about the evolution of intelligence and what we've seen about intelligence, and in particularly in the last few years. And I know that people are a bit tired of it, but the COVID sort of pandemic, sort of environment or situation, has seen intelligence, particularly in New Zealand, grow leaps and bounds. And you could say that uh, COVID was the was the the area of concern or interest in it you know or the target if if you like um, and what do we know about this particular sort of problem or target what don't we know what do we need to know and this I think uh, and we'll get into this on on subsequent mm. sort of podcasts is is, is one of the sort of the examples of where intelligence is going or, or what it does. And it's not all sinister and it's not all sort of nasty or difficult or, or of, a, of, a, of a concern. So I think as we move along, we'll talk about different sort of adversaries or targets or opportunities or problems. And you could say that they're almost all the same thing. Uh, They're they're terms that that may or may not
0: be used interchangeably. Mm. And so while we're talking about uh, targets, who do you think our target audience is for this podcast? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, And I think,
1: as I said, there is no reason, well, intelligence, national security, as we've experienced, particularly in the last two or three years, uh, well, you could almost say go back the last twenty-two years, couldn't you? Twenty-three years from mm. sort of nine eleven as mm. well. Intelligence and security has has an impact on um, the world that we live in, uh, the country that that we live in, and understanding that a little bit better and how it works and how it fits within the broader. National security or or international security sort of frameworks. I think it's important for for a lot of people and to get a broader, more balanced understanding is I think I, I think sort of useful. So we can get a better sort of perspective of, as I said, what intelligence does, where intelligence sort of fits, what it can and what it can't do. Mm-hmm. So getting back to your question, I'd like to think that. Anybody and everybody might find some interest in in what we sort of talk about. We've talked about in the in the intro that mm. that this is not sort of spy school. I have no doubt that there'll be people who will want to who will dial in or listen in and, and see if they can uh, discern you know secrets or um, you know discussions or things that haven't been sort of discussed before. And that's fine. But and if we can. Uh, if we can get those sorts of people to understand that the importance of intelligence and its value uh, and what it is and what it isn't, I think that that's useful. I think there are there are a number of uh, people or communities that that will see value in this sort of podcast. And as I said, if we can bring some of those people, some of those naysayers or those that are not necessarily convinced about what they see uh, uh, and hear, and we can add a little bit of balance and perspective to their uh their thoughts and considerations then i think that's that's a good thing okay but let me let me put it back to you who do you think's your tar- our target audience
0: well that will probably lead us into into later in the episode it's definitely in my mind it's that dynamic between the policymakers and the the uh intelligence community that really needs to be improved improved so i would like to think that um, we would be focusing a lot of our discussion uh, after the break on how does that work uh, that that dynamic between policymakers and uh, the intelligence community, but then bringing into you know I, I would
1: be
0: I think it's important for some of the um, relevant ministers to be across this and some of the, you know now that I 'm out of the intelligence community talking about. Some of my views, where I, where I saw that there was a bit of, uh, a bit of grit in the system, uh, and then academics uh, and you know, people such as you, and those who are really interested in the business, and obviously those in the in the community as as well. So that's, that's where I would be um, hoping that we would get a good uh, cross section uh, of our target audience from. So why don't we um, take a quick break? Um, and come
1: back OK, welcome back listeners OK um, before we uh, we stopped, we were having a, a brief discussion about the particular target audience uh, for this podcast, and and Martin made some comments about uh, the the relationship or uh, certain stakeholders out there, the policymakers as well as the, the the intelligence community are are an equally important. Uh, audience that we'd like to 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 get uh, get across and uh, to engage with um, and I think that that's important uh, I think that's 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 valuable because as as we've discussed there is this this inherent fear of intelligence by a whole bunch of people and that's something that um, has been created through time, but also through some certain sort of experiences and examples, and the inability, I think, of intelligence to be as transparent um, and accountable as perhaps some of the other state agencies or uh, functions of state uh, that that we see on a day-to-day basis. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that's a fair enough comment, Martin?
0: Yeah, I... I do think so. Um, and I, Well, the thing is, is intelligence is really hard. It's really hard to get um, and it's really hard to handle. And quite often uh, when I was in the intelligence community, um, it's really hard to convey to a customer in a way where they can actually do something with it. And I think that's where the fear comes from, because... And and I have seen this. I've seen this in their eyes when I've walked into the room because usually if I've walked into the room, it means that something's gone wrong or something is about to go go bad, um, which is why I've turned up. So I, I, I think that speaks to good um, relationship management uh, so that that, doesn't, that fear doesn't happen um, when the intelligence officer walks into the room. But on the policymaker side, especially in the New Zealand context, it's... Oh my goodness, um, I'm going to have to do something with this intelligence. And this is where the community can create a rod for its own back because it doesn't always make it easy uh, for customers to do something with intelligence. Uh, in my experience. And this hey, uh, in fact I should preface a lot of this um, that you know I'm three years out, things may have changed dramatically. Um, but back uh, in my day, um, it wasn't always made easy for customers. Uh, there was yes. quite often from – I'll just finish off this little point um, – quite often from the community, there was a bit of a fire and forget um, mentality. So, well, we've given it to the customers, uh, so now it's up to them. Um, and, you know, I always found that quite personally disappointing. But then uh, there is that difficulty that you, the intelligence community doesn't want to be in the position where it's influencing policy because that's up to policy uh, policymakers to decide – However, the intelligence community can do better, I think, in helping customers to interpret the intelligence and to make and 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 to consider how they could actually do something with it. Oh, I
1: think you've touched on a really juicy uh, and interesting point there. One of the one of the intelligence scholars that I sort of often sort of quote is is an American former CIA analyst by the name of Mark Lowenthal now mm-hmm. he he defines intelligence and in, uh, as three different things as a, as a process so you you go about uh, collecting intelligence or or you understand what the intelligence product is or the intelligence information that you want is and then you task an agency to go and find out that information and then it's processed or amended or diluted or translated uh, to a particular product that becomes that then gets analyzed so in order to for want of a, a more complicated sort of term, to uh, answer that so what question, what, is it, what does it all mean? And then it goes back to the the uh, policymaker or general or CEO who asked the intelligence question in the first place. So that's the first part, process. Um, intelligence, he also says, is a product. Um, and so it's, that's usually in the form of a, of a report or uh, some sort of spreadsheet or sets of data or an assessment or a transcription of a conversation or all sorts of different things that it might sort of turn, turn into. Um, and then intelligence uh, is, is an organisation. So there are a variety of organisations that we're aware of that actually do this processing or collecting or analysing uh, intelligence. And even New Zealand, we've got a number of these particular organisations. Security Intelligence Service, uh, the Government Communications Security Bureau, the National Assessments Bureau, Bureau Combined Threat Assessments Group, Um, NZDF, NZ Police all have intelligence uh, capability or intelligence organisations and that sort of thing. Which I think is a really useful uh, way to describe or understand what intelligence is at the start of of anyone who, who wants to know a little bit more about sort of intelligence. But getting back to your point, and this is the interesting thing that Lowenthal has sort of talked about. He says that quite often intelligence gets into trouble when they when intelligence starts going beyond the point of providing the intelligence or answers to intelligence questions and telling decision-makers or generals what this means or what they should do then. Um, And he says that intelligence can only go up to a certain point and then ultimately it becomes a decision for uh, the the policy-makers, at least... Intelligence agencies get in trouble for wagging uh, the the tail of, of the dog or, or, or creating sort of problems, as as we've seen. Oh. So it's interesting yeah. your comments about. Uh, so, so when you when you talk about sort of the the intelligence community and what it can and can't do and how far it can go, that's that's interesting because we've seen in the past a number of sort of issues related to intelligence just going a little bit too far.
0: Yeah, it's look, uh, For for context, you know, I can go back to days when I was visiting customers or when I was seconded to a customer agency and became a customer myself, and I looked around at my colleagues or all those customers, and I would see piles of intelligence uh, inches high sitting on their desk, and I would ask them, what are you doing with that? Um, what ha- Have you read it? I said, oh, well, no, no, I, I haven't read it, um, but I intend to. I mean, some of it must have been months or years old. And I just think they're, they're, they're just not getting around to it. They're not recognising the value of it and how it could help them. Um, and so what I'm talking about is obviously not getting into into the executive side of it and, and taking action based on, on the intelligence. Well, it, it could be, um, but depending on the value of the intelligence itself uh, or the relevance I'm talking about especially in the New Zealand context uh, where not a lot of customers uh, across wider government, um, wider government departments are not, not really that familiar with intelligence. And they may receive uh, a training session um, and they may get a little bit of uh, contact from a, uh, from a relations officer or, 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 or such like. Um, but that ability for them to actually say what yeah you know, what is this and how can I get more um, I don't really understand it who could I talk to you know making those linkages I think is 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 really really important. Another yeah. thing that I wanted to talk about is that confusion between um, intelligence and evidence now when you have um, Ministers in New Zealand who are very time poor, and um, yeah, can be quite risk averse. They want evidence, uh, and they confuse uh, intelligence for evidence. And there needs to be a growing that, that their confidence in handling intelligence, senior officials and ministers. Needs to, needs to improve, in my view, because they get very confused about, well, what does this mean and what can I do with it? Well, there's a good chance that you can't do much with it, um, but it's there to help you understand and it's there to give you context. So, OK, all right. Uh, just, just stop
1: there. And can you explain to me what's the difference between intelligence and evidence?
0: Well, intelligence is uh, something that is gathered from secret uh, sources, and, and can give an insight into a situation, a person, but it can be single source. Uh, it could be a very good source, but it could be just from a single source, um, and there may not be full context with it. Whereas evidence, obviously, is something that could be used in a court because it is verified, it's been handled on a chain of evidence, uh, and it could be from, yeah, uh, it would be verified from multiple sources. So I think, I think that's, that's the difference. And that's people, I think, are generally much more comfortable when it comes to evidence, because then they, they don't have to be challenged about uh, the veracity of it, whereas uh, the veracity of intelligence can and should be challenged. Yep. Okay.
1: Um, oh, I'm looking forward to this discussion a little bit more um, as we sort of go down the path because, based on that, you could you would be able to sort of you would agree with me when I would say that intelligence services can provide evidence. Uh,
0: intelligence can well because no. because
1: evidence is something that re-
0: reaches a particular threshold, doesn't it? That's right. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I would be. I, I think in those cases where I've been involved in that, it's usually been working in partnership with another agency, uh, the, an executive agency, where everything has been uh, has been produced to an evidentiary standard. So there has been that chain of evidence throughout. Uh, mm-hmm. I, 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 you know, I don't think it would work in 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 other senses. Well,
1: there's no reason why intelligence products couldn't be used as evidence products, evidentiary sort of products, and we've seen examples of it in the world in in the past. I'm not, you know, we might save this for another podcast sort of Mm. down down the path because we need to unpack it a little bit more, well, a lot more, for us to get some sort of understanding there. But again, I take your point that. Um, an understanding of what intelligence is, is vitally important mm. for the decision makers or the consumers uh, of, of intelligence products. And it reminds me of a really interesting, or I think a really good sort of anecdote um, that, that I read a few years ago. And it was an intelligence officer who was recounting um, a meeting that she had with the then Secretary of State, Henry Kissinger, and Kissinger was bemoaning the fact that the intelligence community actually hadn't reported on uh, a coup that had taken place in in a country in, in the middle of somewhere, I forget where it was, or perhaps they didn't mention it or, or whatever. And the intelligence officer in the briefing said, well, actually, Mr. Secretary, we did tell you that this coup was going to happen. And Kissinger turned around and said... Well, you didn't convince me, mm-hmm. and I think that's really, really important because uh, it speaks to this this challenge that intelligence has in terms of what it can do and what it can't do, or the expectations of intelligence. That, based on your comments, uh, and again, as you say, it may have changed. Uh, in, in the three years since you've been out of the business, and I'd like to think that it's changed in the space of uh, 21 years that I've been out of the business, but perhaps it doesn't, and perhaps it's it's important to understand for all of those stakeholders involved in the intelligence business and I include members of the public now because they are important and when mm. we go on to topics of accountability and oversight then we can we can get into that discussion a, a little bit more that this understanding of what intelligence can and can't do is is vitally important for the world of intelligence to be effective and for people to be realistic about its limitations and its, uh, its, uh, the opportunities that it can and some of the things that it can deliver as
0: well. Okay. Well, that's taking us up to about 45 minutes, which is as long as we would want to go. Um, What about two quick points each just to round it out, the two points that we think are the most important for our listeners to take away at the end of this episode? All right, my first point
1: is uh, I think that uh, as as listeners will continue to hear, I don't think intelligence is going away anytime soon. Multiple agencies consume intelligence, use intelligence, collect intelligence, as does the private sort of sector. But I also think that people uh, will continue to see, and we'll talk about it in an in, in awful lot of detail, um, Intelligence these days isn't just secrets and espionage, and we haven't touched on espionage just just yet. But it's about this concept of thinking about problems, identifying things before they present themselves as issues, uh, and to enable a decision maker or a leader to have every piece of information available so that they can make the best possible sort of decisions based on that. And I hope that. My last sort of comment uh, is that I hope that those of you who have listened to this first episode um, are bored and enthusiastic um, about it and see that uh, what we're sort of talking about and where we're coming from um, is, I think, sort of really useful. And there's opportunities, uh, I hope, for our listeners to engage in some of the sort of debates that I'm sure Martin and I
0: will get into as the podcast proceeds. All right. So my two points, um, are: one's directed at uh, customers of intelligence and one of them is directed at the intelligence community. So the one for customers, don't be afraid to ask. If you don't know something, just ask, because that then fuels the conversation for the community. Lean into it further. Um, Don't just fire and forget. Uh, If that still happens, maybe it doesn't, hopefully not, after three years uh, lean into the customer, understand their needs, get curious. And that is throwing that back to the customer as well. It's that curiosity. That's what I loved when I was in the intelligence community. So that's uh, one, one point for each. There is a DPMC fact sheet, um, uh, fact sheet number two. I think if people just Google DPMC intelligence fact sheet number two, that will come up and that will give people a, an understanding of what is intelligence, how is it collected um, and who uses it. So I think that would be Uh, useful background for listeners and we can post that into our our Twitter as well.
1: But also I'd like to invite you listeners out there to send through to us what you think intelligence is or what you think intelligence might be in New Mm. Zealand and you can do that a couple of ways you can email us on nzsecmatters at gmail.com um, or or on Twitter at uh, nzsec matters. So those uh, those context sort of details we'll we'll uh, load them up um, uh, as well. Uh, so nzsec matters. Uh, hashtag NZSecMatters at Twitter and our email address NZSecMatters at gmail.com. So we're really keen to hear from you uh, and some thoughts and I'm, and I'm sure that, that some of you out there will be keen uh, to offer some sort of thoughts and ideas
0: on subsequent sort of podcasts and, and discussions. Good. All right, Rhys. So I'm hoping in the new year that I'll see you, and I'm very much looking forward to seeing you in person and very much looking forward to that. But for now, out. Bye-bye.
1: Great uh, great to have you here, Martin. Uh, Really looking forward to NZSEC matters and what we're going to do in the future and uh, what we're sort of going to achieve. So talk to you later. Bye.